Hey guys, what's up? I'll tell you. Um, welcome. <laughs> Chaps Fantasy Chat, Thursday nights at 8. Um, I, I took last week off. And um, it's weird when you take a week off after you've done it for um, a while. Because you, you, you miss it. And you start to um, think about what you would have said. So I got a lot to talk about tonight. <clears throat> but, you know, it's getting to that time of year where we're, we're I think, a couple weeks up coming up on the uh, All-Star game. So we're looking at the stretch run. We're looking at what we're trying to do to set ourselves up for the second half of the season. So tonight, I've been kind of drilling down pretty specifically um, up to this point in the year. Tonight, I wanted to keep it a little bit um, uh, overview-minded. And talk about second-half hitters um, that you believe in, that you're buying, and those that you don't trust as well. It's it's an interesting time of year because I like to reflect around midpoint, see where I'm at. Um, I'm having a pretty good year this year with my, with my teams overall. But <clears throat> it's not too late to make moves. And, you know, it, if you are able to identify what your team needs – it doesn't matter if the outsider thinks you lost the trade. If you need stolen bases and you go out and you get, um, you know, a, a stolen base asset, even if you lose the trade, you win what you're trying to accomplish. Um, I also want to talk about just some current events because there's a lot of cool stuff going on right now, right? We have Wander Franco come up. I'm going to talk a little bit about him. Um, I, I want to talk some about, you know, statistics. We're getting to that time of year. People that know me know I like statistics and um, that, you know, you can read a lot into it if you know how to break it down properly. Talk a little bit about some statistics tonight. Um, and then I want to talk a little bit about the Pujols and the Angels breakup and who's winning that that scenario. Um, so, the, like I said, there's a lot going on. Um, but let's jump right into it, shall we? First off, I, I I do this I do this every year, um, but this year when I did it, it really was it it jumped out to me. Um, run differential is an interesting statistic to me. When you look at run differential, it tells you a lot of things. It tells you what your um, wh what your good teams are who. The, who are the teams that you want to who are the teams that you want to target players from should come from that thought process because they're going to score more runs on you know from the pitching perspective they're going to hold teams down not to be to belabor the point um when you break down when you break down the sorry I'm trying to multitask if that doesn't if that's not evident, when you break down the run differential this year, by far the best run differential in the major leagues is the Houston Astros. Guys, they're at a whopping plus 135. And I want to put that into a little bit of perspective because it sounds inflated. It sounds like a lot. Well, it is a lot. So for perspective, Houston Astros, run differential, plus 135. The number two team, the San Francisco Giants at plus 101. That's 34 few. And I know that's, you know, that doesn't really say it. Guys, I, I want to read down this list further to further accentuate this point. The Dodgers are third at plus 96. The White Sox are fourth at plus 86. Then come the Padres at plus 79. Then come the Rays at plus 75. That's sixth. So we're talking about doubling at that point, this point from first to sixth. Toronto's seventh with plus 46. And then six other teams are in positive run differential on the season. I'll say that again. There are 13 teams total in the positive and run differential in the major leagues, I'll do the rudimentary math. That's, what, 17 
that are in negative. 17 of the 30 major league teams are in negative in run differential. Six lie from 1 to 20. 1 through 7 are above 46. There are only two over 100, and Houston has 135. That should tell you as a fantasy player, you need to target those players going into the second half. So that's how you kind of want to approach this, right? Now, that's tough. I understand. I have um, I have Jose Altuve. Altuve, if someone comes and asks me for Jose Altuve, I'll tell them to get bent. I'm not going to do it. But there are scenarios where you can get guys, Chas McCormick, Abraham Toro, if I were doing Fab Futures, we'd be talking about those guys. You can get parts of these teams that can help you. Even from that lower part of that lineup. So if you're desperate, I did it. I had, uh, in my main league, I can't remember who went down, but I had an injury replacement. Oh, uh, Evan Longoria. No, it wasn't Longoria. It was, it, it was another infielder. doesn't matter. Um, but I had a, a, a slot to fill, um, and I went out and picked up Toro. And, and when he's... When, when one of my main guys are off, I play him with confidence. So you can kind of take that into perspective when you're looking at, you know, needing to fill in or you have an injury. You want to look at, for me, I'm starting in Houston. and San Francisco's another one because nobody – they play such a weird style of baseball. It's, the, the difference is with San Francisco, it's not offense. Houston's pitching is really good. But San Francisco's – offense isn't their pitching is amazing all the way down the line their pit their pitchers do a phenomenal job so it's very much you know you're not getting free agent pitchers off of san francisco you can get bats from houston my point so how how's houston doing it i mean that's you know, again, back to the point, San Francisco's doing it with their pitching. Houston's doing it with their offense, seemingly. You know, you look at guys like Correa and Altuve and, you know, Bregman until he got hurt and Guriel. They, they've done it with the bats as well. I, and, you know, here's the scary part. You really haven't heard a whole lot from Kyle Tucker yet. You really haven't heard a whole lot from um, Jordan Alvarez yet. This team could get better, and they're going to be tough to deal with um, in the playoffs. There, there's no doubt in my mind that Houston will be there. I don't know. I'll have to – Randall, I want to know what the odds are on the Houston Astros going to the World Series. That's something I think I'd take. San Francisco is an interesting one, too, because if you think about it um, – their odds are probably pretty good that you probably, you know, you can win a large amount of money for not much um, playing the odds for San Francisco. Now they're legitimate. They're not just hanging around. They're a good team. I watch them a lot. Chaps fantasy chat Thursday nights at eight. Just like ride the bike guys. <laughs> Brought to you on iLogic media. Draft for Upside, River City Media. You can find me at Chaps Fantasy Sports Group on Facebook. Um, I, I'm happy to answer any questions. This is meant to be interactive. So if you guys have questions, um, feel free to jump in there. StreamYard sometimes doesn't give me um, immediate access. So if I don't answer you, I'm not ignoring you. I have um, – it's a quirky system. I like it. Don't get me wrong, but it's just – it's a quirky system. So. Anyway, um, how about this Pujols Angels divorce? Who's winning that, guys? I, I, this is one of those where I think both sides are making out here, right? You know, um, the the Angels are happy. The Angels are, you know, 
24 and 21 since they cut him. They've increased their production with, you know, Upton and Taylor Wade and some of those other guys. Uh, they've, they've actually gotten back to 500 and look like they are look, – look like they are – Thank you. San Francisco to win world two two World Series is plus twenty two hundred. Astros is plus nine fifty. I, I mean, you, when you look at the the run differential statistics, to me, the, the that those are two really good bets. And you know, I, I think it's it's that time of year when you can start making those um, those assumptions. And I know San Francisco is kind of you know everybody's kind of like, are they real? Are they fake? We're we're talking about an organization when they do it right. They've proven a formula of success. So you look at that pitching staff, it, it's not to be joked around with. But back to Pujols and the Dodgers. The Dodgers love having this guy. They fought their fair share. In, thank you, Randall, for providing those numbers. They fought their fair share of injuries this year. And, you know, Pujols is looking like a really good cleanup hitter for them. <laughs> Um, so, so since he's moved over to Chavez Ravine, he's hitting 263 with six homers and 16 RBIs in 26 games. That projects out, get this guys, that projects out over a full season. Now, I know he won't get a full season like this, right? To, sorry, I got it to 38 homers and a hundred RBIs. Put that into perspective. Those numbers, and I know it's just a projection, would have been better than any year that he had for the Angels. Here's the kicker about Albert Pujols, guys. This is what I want you all to understand when you're talking about going into the second half of your fantasy baseball season. All these teams are quitting, right? Everybody's saying, oh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to duck out. And I get it. I've been on bad teams. It's gruesome. Albert Pujols is available widely. He's owned 4% in Yahoo, 6% in CBS Sports, and 18% in Fantrax. Just food for thought, guys. Just food for thought. Wander time. Wander time, guys. We finally got it. Uh, came up, and he has not disappointed. He has been every bit the athlete we knew that he was. I watched him the other night, his the first night up, and I saw his homer, and it, while it was impressive – that's not what impressed me about Wander Franco that night. What impressed me the first time up at the plate, and I can't remember who the heck he was facing. It was a good pitcher. Got out to an 0-2 count on him. Wander was down 0-2. And, oh, it was Ed Rod. Ed, Eduardo Rodriguez. Eduardo Rodriguez is having a bad year, but he's a good pitcher. That's He's having a bad year. But the thing about him is he's seasoned and he's poised. So, again, he got him out to 0-2, and then he started nibble on the outside. First, he started like six inches out, Wander spit at it. Then he came into three inches out, Wander spit at it. Came back, he threw, I think he threw an off-speed pitch, and he fouled it off. I, I believe I'm rem remembering this correctly. Long story short, he worked the walk in that at-bat. So... You know, when I see this kid, and you look what uh, you look at what he was doing at Triple A. 315, eight homers, 30 runs and 35 RBIs in 39 games at Durham. 11 doubles and six triples, five stolen bases. He has shown already that his this his plate discipline, his he he is more advanced plate discipline-wise 
than Vlad was when he came up. He might be more plate discipline than what Soto was. I haven't seen that yet. I haven't seen that yet. But I saw the other night enough to know that this kid belongs. This kid understands what he's doing up there. Um, and <clears throat> he's not going to let the situation get bigger than it is. And that's what you want out of a 20-year-old, 21-year-old, whatever he is when he comes, 20 years old when he comes up. Wander Franco is not going to Jerry Kellen again. He is not going to get take set back down. He will be productive at the major league level. If you are lucky enough to get him, you will be happy with him. I wasn't, I'll be honest with you guys, I wasn't as sold at the beginning of the year with Wander Franco. I'm sold. I'm sold. He's everything that he's ad, as advertised. So it'll be exciting to watch him. Fun stats. Um, he's a, he was the youngest player to hit his first homer in the major leagues since Jerks of Profar did it back in 2012. 20 and 113 days. Jerkson was 19 and 195 days. And he was the youngest player to go deep for the Rays since BJ Upton did it back in 2004. Wander Franco's been alive 32 days longer than Albert Pujols has been a big leaguer. Perspective's fun, isn't it? <laughs> All right, guys. Um, I actually, I, I thought I'd hate it. <laughs> I thought I'd hate it, but I actually like the new, the new rule enforcement. I, I, I tell you, I only say that because I watched the I watched the Scherzer Girardi game the other night, and um, you know I'm going to talk about it with Randall. Make sure you come back at ten, guys. Other angle, ten o'clock. Chappie and RC, good talk. We're going to talk some baseball. We're going to talk some football, but I want to talk about Spider Attack tonight. Um, I actually like the way they're implementing the rules. Um, you know, not let them get off the field, just doing real quick, cur you know, courtesy. Um, I feel like they, they probably need to start checking the catchers as well. Um, just a kind of a team huddle there before everyone goes back to the dugout. But I think they're doing a good job right now. And, you know, the biggest thing that it's doing is, is it's causing these pitchers to, to play by the rules. And, and, and if that's what the, the main purpose is, then, you know, I think they've won. Now, I do feel like, you know, Scherzer had a really good point the other night. He said, ask, ask Alec Baum about how 95 at the head feels. And he, he wasn't saying it like, you know, tough guy macho. He's just saying he couldn't feel the pitch when he was gripping it. So I, I feel like the league should at least regulate some sort of um, uniform substance that they can use to get better grip on the ball. And I think that would go a long way to kind of loosen that that loophole there. So, uh, But I do like it. I, You know, I think it's caused for – it's so interesting, right, because, you know, a guy like Shohei, he's like, I don't care. Just do it. I don't care. And, and then uh, some of these other guys, you could tell who was doing it, right? Scherzer was obviously using something. Um, Sergio Romo was ticked off that he got a homer. Hit again. But it's funny to see these antics, right? Um, so, so it's going to cost for some good – some good television, I think. And that's really, you know, if we're just being honest, that's the end goal. So how about let's talk about some rookies, right? Talk about Wander. Let's talk about the next guys. Who's, who's, what's going on with these guys that everybody's kind of talking about? Um, and when are they going to come up? Jaron Duran, someone you've heard me talk about quite a bit. Duran's the uh, – well, he was a second baseman. He's now in the outfield for the Red Sox. Well, for um, the Red Sox AAA affiliate. He, he's kind of – they're slow playing him a little bit. And I, they're, they're doing that because um, he has an opportunity to play in the Olympics. But this kid, you know, it, it's not like the center field has been um, – you know, currently Danny Santana and Kike Hernandez are filling center field for – for Boston. So it's not like, you know, they're really being blocked. He's being blocked by either of those guys. Um, you know, Hernandez is probably more of a second baseman. The block really there is Christian Royo, right? Christian Royo is the one who's 
he's he's having a career year, and um, for that is is causing probably a bigger, is lessening a bigger need for immediate playing time, um, because of his play, he, he's actually leading off uh, quite a bit. Um, he's already. You know, he, he was a one-time big prospect for the uh, Rays and then the Indians and the Giants. He's already got more career games at bats than he ever has. He's just 26 years old. And l- let's be honest, he, he's doing pretty well. So, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see how they play that because they really could use – that speedster at the top of the lineup, and and Durant is just that. I, what what the problem is, is they want to give the kid the opportunity to play in the Olympics, and I think, I think they will call him up if they absolutely need him, but if they don't have to, I think they want that, they want him to experience that brevity whatever you want to call it. And I think that's a good move. I mean, it shows that the organization is looking out for the kid as well. Um, but if he's needed, let me tell you, they'll have him up there because he's ready. He's ready. And he showed that in the Olympic trial, uh, trials where he performed, and he showed it uh, at Triple A since he's gotten back from the Olympic trials. The trials are the end of July, so July 27th through, I believe, the 3rd or the 5th, something like that. So at the latest, he'll be up after that. I think he might be up after that. He certainly belongs right now, and that's okay. Jared Duran's got to keep keep watching. Keep watching, guys. Bobby Witt Jr. is the next game not name that you know really is, uh, is kind of interesting to me. It, it it seems as though he is um, the Royals not competing is allowing them to slow play Bobby Witt Jr. a little bit, and if they continue to struggle, I feel like he comes up post-All-Star break and plays every day. Because the issue at hand is it's the shortstop. Bobby Witt Jr. is that organization's best shortstop right now. I said this at the beginning of the year. I said it often. I'm not a believer in Adalberto Montesi. And he's proven he's not the player that everybody Oogles over. So I think after the All-Star break, when when after the trade deadline, let's put it that way, you'll see Bob Wood Jr. And I think he'll come up and he'll, he'll show he'll show glimpses. He'll compete. But when he gets up against the maturity of major league hitter or pitchers, he, he's gonna struggle. He'll show flashes. But I think it gives him a great experience going into next year. So it, celebrate Bob Wood Jr. coming up. Here's a guy who I've been high on since he got drafted. But he's kind of flown up the charts this year. Hunter Green. Hunter Green is – he's Ebby Calvin Lelouch, guys, except he doesn't have a five-cent head. He has the potential. He has the potential to be a generational player. Potential to be a generational player. But it's more than just potential because he coming, stepping in the door, he already is coming with plus, like plus, plus fastball. He threw it 104.3 the other night. 104.3. Only five balls have been thrown that fast since stat 
since they've tracked that statistic in 2008. Five times has that happened. The other part about this is he has he has an arsenal. He ha- he has a wipeout slider. He's got a changeup, and he's added a cutter. His innings are going to be limited, but his case per nine will be phenomenal. Watch for Hunter Green. He could be up sooner rather than later. Joe Adele. I wonder when Joe Adele is going to get the call up. He has done everything he's needed to do at AAA this year. He's at 271, 16 home runs, 37 RBIs in 39 games. Last year he came up and was not ready, and it was pretty evident pretty early on. I don't feel like that's the same player that you're getting this year when he when he comes up. I think he comes up ready to play. I think he comes up ready to prove uh, the coaching staff and management wrong. He comes up more mature. And I think he's going to come up on some. People are going to remember. It's just like Jesus Sanchez. People remember last year's bad start. And they, they shy away from it. I think this year with Joe Adele, when he gets called up, you need to jump on him. And I... I said the same thing about Jesus Sanchez. I, I feel like these guys are, are ready for success this time this year. All right, I want to talk about some hitters. But before I do that, I do want to talk about some fun stats just real quick um, before we go into our uh, buys and sells. Whit Merrifield, I talked about this last time I was on. He now has five more stolen bases than the rest of the league. He has 20 stolen bases. There's like three or four guys at 15. This is as of last night, I believe. If you're in a rotisserie-style league, and you can get a – Whip Merrifield, he's totally worth it. Because if it's a five at the halfway point or close to the halfway point, you're talking about at the end of the year, I mean, maybe a 10 stolen base lead in a category that's tough to get assets for to begin with, that's big and that's valuable. And maybe you get someone who understands that. But I'd say more often than not, especially if you're in a league where a team is maybe riddled with injuries and not doing well, um, try and get Whit Merrifield. That that five stolen base gap is going to widen. Here's another fun stat. Five players, as of the other night, this could have changed. I don't think so, though. Five players have 20-plus homers on the season. Guerrero, Tatis, Otani, Acuna, and Matt Olson. Matt Olson, again, because he's out west, is having an MVP-type season. Hitting 302 with 20 homers. If you can get Matt Olson, you need to do it because everybody's talking about Vladimir Guerrero. Everybody's talking about Jared Walsh. Olson's going largely forgotten about. Now, you're going to have to pay for him because the owner sure knows about him. But people, how to say this? 
a strategic fantasy player would think, oh, I have Matt Olson at 304. He's probably going to hit about 270. I've got all of the good average out of Matt Olson right now. It's, it's a good time to sell if I think he's going to hit 270. What I'm saying to you right now on air is I don't think he's going to hit 270. So you could go and buy. And you could sell that point. You really think he's going to hit 304? Just you got to put lipstick on that pig sometimes, guys. Yeah, I just want to <laughs> – I got two points before before I get to these fantasy flops. Because that... San Francisco, I, I just want to talk about – I've gotten to watch a lot of them lately. I have Dee Sclafini in every league. And I always watch him pitch. I've gotten to really like watching Kevin Gosman pitch. My buddy RC has Gosman. Those two pitchers are about as I don't know how to say this and not I, I like they were they were good enough pitchers in you know Gosman's been a couple places and um the Reds for DiScalfini. They were getting enough pitchers elsewhere. But what they've done in San Francisco has been downright amazing. Kevin Gosman is an ace. His ERA is 1.49. He, <laughs> he's striking out over nine, nine per nine innings. 96 innings pitch and 112 Ks. This is the same Kevin Gosman that when he was in Atlanta. When he was in Atlanta, had an ERA of. Sorry, Atlanta's a bad example. <laughs> when he was in Toronto or Baltimore, he had an ERA of 468. No, there it is. Atlanta, 619. He's not been his career ace pitcher. He's turned into that in San Francisco. Same thing with Di Sclafini. His next win, he's 8-2 at 277 ERA. His next win will be will tie his career high. It's not even the all-star break. Alex Wood's been good. Logan Webb's been good in spots. Cueto's been good in spots. This is a good team. Their defense is what makes them, though, guys. Make no mistake, when you're talking about San Francisco, they're as sound a defensive team as there is in the majors, and that's why I like that plus 2,200 RC. Pitching and defense. Everybody's going to gravitate to the offense and the homers. Pitching and defense. San Francisco's a good bet, guys. All right. I want to kind of go through these kind of quickly. Um, some of these kind of hurt. <laughs> Fantasy flops. Jorge Soler. Drink. Jorge Soler, I drafted. He's going to be my DH in my uh, money league. I dra I dropped him like two months ago. I couldn't I couldn't deal with it. He's hitting 181, six homers, 28 RBIs. He's got a WAR of negative 1.2. This is one of my biggest regrets on draft day. Um, I, I I drafted him knowing that he had amazing power, but he was also I, an injury risk. I don't think that's what we've seen this year. I think 
I think this is more of um, underperformance. I'll be honest. Uh, I don't feel like he's comfortable. I th- and and you know, I, I wonder. This is the this is the point that I want to make about Jorge Soler. Kansas City's struggling, and Soler's playing himself into a trade scenario. What if Soler goes to the Yankees? I'm still not buying. (laughs) This is the second half flop for me. But this is a scenario where if, if Kansas City continues to fail, Soler might find himself elsewhere, even in underperformance. Player two, definite flop. Definite flop, and I love it. Remember when your mean Mercedes was a thing? He's hitting 270 with seven homers, 22 runs, and 34 RBIs. That was fun, wasn't it? So since May 15th, he's hitting 165 with two homers and 12 RBIs. 19 hits and 25 Ks. That's not good. In fact, it's so not good, he's not even playing regularly these days. So, the Yerminator was fun while it lasted. I'm glad it's gone. Let it go. Second, second half flop. This one hurts. Hurts bad. Byron Buxton. Numbers 369. 10 homers, 21 runs, 19 RBIs, five stolen bases. Amazing numbers. What an amazing start to the year. This guy's showing you what he is. And I'll start by saying I was and still am a huge Buxton fan. But I can't trust him on my fantasy team anymore. Now, if you're in a dynasty league, maybe hang on to him. The value's still there. If 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 I'm the twins, as soon as soon as Nelson Cruz retires, Byron Buxton's my DH. I just want him to hit. I know he's a phenomenal center fielder. I just want him to stay healthy because he can't right now. Now, I know what some people might be saying. He got hit in the hand. How is that, you know, his fault? It's not, but it's just a reoccurring theme with him. It's a concern. You know, it's funny when you do these lists. A couple guys I had on this list but took off the list. First one, Elvis Andrus. Elvis Andrus is not having a great year by all accounts. Um, I'm pulling it up right now. Uh, 228, only five stolen bases, 22 runs, 16 RBIs. But let's remember, he started off horribly, terribly. You know, he was with a new team, so you kind of understand why there would be an adjustment period. The reason I took him off this list, though, I'm trying to get to it. Look at his month-by-month splits. And, of course, it's jumping me all over the screen. If you look at his month-by-month splits, April and March, he hit 151. In May, he hit 256. And in June, he hit 288. Now, most people don't know this about Elvis Andres. He's a career 272 hitter. The reason I was an Elvis Andres fan, 
Um, the reason I was an Elvis Andrews fan is because of the stolen base, right? You know, he, he's always been that 25-plus um, stolen base guy. And it's fallen off a little bit. But if you need speed and you're in a pickle, you can use that average to your benefit the second half of the season. He's hitting 288 in 20 games in June. Is that what I just told you? Sometimes, sometimes these stats differ from site to site. I'll tell you. 288, yeah. Love it when a plan comes together. By Elvis Andrews, guys, you got to think he's comfortable in Oakland now. It's a pretty good team. I like him. All right. This so I, I do want to do a few hitters that I'm buying. And gosh, this is hard. <laughs> I had this, you know, I've been watching a lot of the Angels. I got Otani, so I watch him a lot. Um, but also, you know, I, I like Joe Madden, so I, I don't know. I don't know if I like Joe Madden. I think Joe Madden's interesting. I guess that's a better way to put it. Um, so I end up like I say all the time, I end up watching late, and it's usually um, I want to see Otani hit or pitch. So I watch them a lot. The Angels will be playing pretty well. And it all is kind of predicated off of Justin Upton hitting in the leadoff spots. Um, hitting 476 since he moved to the top of the order. Mike Trout getting hurt was the biggest favor that he could have done for Justin Upton. And I don't think when he when Upton or when Trout comes back, I don't think, you know, it stifles what Upton's done. Um, I, John, I've been talking about him half this show. <laughs> Welcome, by the way. Yes, I totally agree. The Giants, they're pitching and their, their, their defense – it's a defense from the eighties. I mean, it's it's they are phenomenal on defense. Watching them is so. And I'll tell you, um, the closer forgetting his name, um, is is phenomenal. So so yeah, no, I talked about I've talked about the Giants quite a bit. The 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 thing about Upton though is I kind of feel like he's got he's got to be the the center of attention. And when Trout's around, he wasn't the center of attention. But once he gets going. He's good. So when when Trout got hurt, he got to hit up at leadoff, and Julius kind of, he's definitely like that, right? Um, like I said, four seventy six since he's moved up. It's interesting though. I think when Trout comes back, now he pulled his, tweaked his groin or his. I, he was playing the other night, so it must not have been too serious. But that concerns me a little bit, right? Uh, but but Upton's certainly one of these guys that I, when Trout comes back should slot very nicely. I mean, he might stay in that leadoff position to be all and to be honest with you, um, and, and that makes for a formidable one through five. And the next thing they got to get going is Rendon, but that's a different story. Um, hitter number two that I'm buying into, I'm in Rosario. I mean, Rosario, I, I'll tell you, it's interesting. The one thing that the Mets never really gave him a chance to do was hit at the top of the line. They, they always wanted him to bat seventh or eighth, kind of, you know, figure it out down there. What the Indians have done, and they've seen it work very well is they put him up at the two-hole. And they let him kind of be a catalyst for that offense. And he's – it's so funny because everybody remembers at the beginning of the year the Ahmed Rosario that came up and was supposed to be second fiddle to um, – I don't even remember the kid's name now. Jimenez? Is it, was it Jimenez? 
Um, they sent him down. So, you know, they put him out in center field. And it, it was it didn't work. But he started to get the hang of it. But then, you know, they realized that the other kid wasn't going to work. And it, it's – <laughs> and, and, you know, when that failed, they brought in Rosario. And all of a sudden, that spot at the top of the lineup was open. And that's where Rosario is supposed to hit. So since May 8th, that's round about the time he got that job pretty much every day. 331 average with a 381 OBP. Two runs or two homers, 23 runs, and 14 RBIs to go along with six stolen bases over 35 games. At that rate, he's on pace to steal 25 plus bases. John, you should come back at 10. Randall and I are going to talk about it. I thought the thing, the exchange between, between Girardi and um, Scherzer the other night was classic, and that's exactly what happened there, right? So he struck out. I can't remember who it was that he struck out, um, but Girardi saw him go to his head, and he called him right after the strikeout uh, to, to check his, his stuff, and he lost it. So, you know, I, I said earlier, and I'll say it again now, I think the referees or the umpires need to be checking the catchers as well at the end of the inning. Um, and that, that'll go a long way in helping, you know, mitigate some of that stuff as well, because there's certainly some things going on there too. I like the way major league has done this. I, I think they should keep it the way they have it. Just keep, keep having their little things. Um, you know, if, if there's a scenario um, it's umpire's discretion. That's kind of how I'd approach it. Next hot bat. And I, these next two are teammates. And this comes down to the run differentials, right? So if you get a chance to get either of these guys, <coughs> you should absolutely do that. Carlos Correa. Correa's been killing the ball. Over the last month, he's been one of the hottest bats in the major leagues. He leads all of the MLB with a 1.218. OPS and his OB so OPS is slugging plus on base percentage. His OBP is on base percentage is 491. 491. That's 50 points higher than Ronald Acuna. That's over the last month. That's ridiculous. I love Correa. I always have. He's fought a lot of injuries. Um, they, they're all killing it, John. They're all killing it. Um, so is Curiel, right? So when you look at what Correa is doing, it, it's really interesting because it's a walk year. It's a walk year, and Correa is putting himself in every position. I think he's an MVP candidate. I think he inserts himself in the top three of that shortstop grouping by what he does this year. And that team is really tough. The other guy I'm going to, you know, I, I called this early on in the season. I called it the preseason. What a comeback Jose Altu is having. It's a homer every night, it seems like. And, you know, it's funny. He caught a bunch of that slack for the pitch stealing signs and some of it might be warranted, but you're talking about a guy who's had a long and distinguished career. I said it at the beginning of the year. This isn't going to affect him. It'll affect him positively. And it has. Here's the thing. Oh no. Otani's absolutely. We're going to talk about Otani a lot at 10 o'clock, John. So please come back if you're able. Appreciate it. Otani is absolutely the real th real deal. He, he's, um, again, I left him off, off purposefully because I wanted to talk about him at 10 a little bit more at length. Uh, you know, the, the thing about Altuve, though, 
His career high, high in home runs is 31 back in 2019, the cheating year. This year, he's on pace for 44. His career high in runs scored is 112, all the way back in 2017. He's on pace for 144 runs, guys. Jose Altuve at 31 years old or whatever. Yeah, 31. It's not 31. Whatever he is. It's having a career year. One more guy and I'm going to get off here. Please come back at 10 o'clock. Randall and I have a bunch of good stuff. We're going to talk football. We're going to talk a lot of baseball because, as usual, I got through about about two-thirds of my notes tonight. I'm doing okay. <laughs> but trust me, that's not including the notes I have for the other angles. So come back at 10 o'clock. Appreciate you. Oh, Acuna Jr. has been amazing. And, and, yes, I'm buying him, right? You're talking about trying to squeeze in five or six guys. I, I wanted to go a little bit more obscure here because I don't feel like this guy's getting enough recognition. Brian Reynolds. 306, 12 homers, 41 runs, 38 RBIs, and a stolen base. People talk about, is he going to get traded? There's no way the Pirates can trade Brian Reynolds. Reynolds and Hayes are the two players on that team that aren't getting moved. They can move, they can move Moran. They can move Frazier. That's fine. They're not going to move Brian Reynolds, and they're not going to move Brian Hayes. They just aren't. You're talking about a kid who's 26 years old, and he's on pace for almost 30 homers. 29 homers, 98 runs. And here's the great part about especially in a dynasty-type format, he's got 20 doubles already. He's on pace for 63 doubles. He gets a little older, and he gets a little stronger, Hitting that park with a little bit more protection, Brian Reynolds could be a 35 to 40 homer guy in the middle of a damn good team. So if you're in a scenario where you're in a keeper league and you got Brian Reynolds, you want to strongly consider and try to hold on to him. John, I'm going to talk a lot about Otani tonight. I've been an Otani and a Vladimir guy since the preseason. I've been toting these two guys. You're absolutely right. He is – that's one-two MVP as far as I'm concerned. So thank you guys for your support. Hope you enjoyed the content. Thanks for chiming in, making it interactive. It's always fun when it's interactive. So um, Chaps Fantasy Chat, Thursday nights at 8 on iLogic Media, Draft for Upside. <clears throat> Excuse me. Big things coming up. <laughs> Stay tuned for that. But come back at 10. The other angle, Chappie and RC. iLogicMedia.com. Thank you guys for your support. See you in a bit.